Welcome to this week's episode of the Rocky Mountain Mixdown. Rocky Mountain Mixdown. We're, we're talking music in your hometown. Other places to welcome. Welcome. All are welcome here. Welcome. Rocky Mountain Mixdown. Uh, we're here at Doghouse Music Studios with Henny, John, and Liz. And today we have two guests, the infamous Lauren Dorland and our one of our newest spring interns, Emily, from CU Denver. Um, and we're talking with these ladies uh, as part of our non-dudes in music series that we are doing here on the podcast. So first, I want to welcome you guys, you gals, and see... Um, <laughs> Yeah, if you want to just give us a quick intro, we'll hear from Lauren. Yeah, hi. My name is Lauren Dorland. I am based in Denver, Colorado. I am a staff engineer and producer at the wonderful Mighty Fine Productions. And I also produce on my own um, with artists around town. I work with Lady Music, Mickey Balder, um, Strings in the Box. There's some great talent in this city that I've gotten the chance to produce for and mix for. And it's really been great. And I went to school in Boston and got my degree in music production engineering at Berkeley College of Music. And I like video games. And my cat and my partner, John, who's next to me. Mm-hmm. Yay, I made the cut. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And now let's introduce um, our one of our uh, spring interns, Emily. Yeah, my name is Emily. Like Liz said, I am an intern here at Doghouse Music Studios. Just started like it so far so that's awesome i am a recording arts student at the university of colorado denver i'm actually about to graduate soon which is really exciting i am currently living in the denver area sweet so today's episode is a little bit of a we have a dual purpose here so we're speaking with a couple of non-dude engineers um which is an oddity (laughs) in the industry um but becoming less so which is great and something we're gonna speak about and then we're also just speaking about today the dynamic of working with your partner so kenny and i as you all know are married lauren and john are partners living together in beautiful evergreen colorado Mm -hmm. what up mom what up mom and dad (laughs) Um, so we're We'll just be speaking about that dynamic. So just to get us kicked off, we wanted to speak with Lauren. I know you are one of very few female engineers working, especially in the Denver area. Um, And I just want to hear a little bit about your experience in the studio working with artists. Yeah. So, you know, women in the music industry are a, we are a rare breed. Less than 2% of self-proclaimed audio engineers are women. And it's, you know, it's it's an interesting field to be in. You know, there's lots of male-dominated fields out there. Music in particular, it tends to be a, because it's a creative pursuit, but when you're in audio engineering, it's also a very logical pursuit, right? You're using a lot of like left-brained activities, but still incorporating creativity. I think that being such a minority in the industry can sometimes feel to people like a a more intimidating thing because you have to be creative. And when you're being creative, creativity comes with vulnerability, right? And so to be a woman or surrounded by men all the time and having to be vulnerable and having to share your ideas and having to share your passion, it can sometimes be hard. And I think that for younger people looking at, okay, 
where is a place that I can be successful when you're looking to have a career, and especially in music, you don't have a lot of examples of successful female audio engineers because up until recently, I don't have a time frame, probably the 2000s, you know, women weren't even allowed to audio engineer in Nashville. You walk into a room and want an engineer, they'll laugh you out of it. You know, you, you don't have women in the studio. And I was lucky in Berkeley to have two female mentors and instructors who got to share those experiences and helped me realize how lucky I am to be in this day and age where that prejudice is lessened, you know, where like people can't look at me and say, no, you're not allowed to work here because you're a woman because I could sue them. <laughs> and you should. And I would. And I would. I dare you. Someone, please. I need money. Um, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So I wanted to ask you a little about what it's like when female artists come into your studio and they see that you are there. And I know a lot of female artists are used to, at this point, working in this male-dominated world where you're sitting there being really vulnerable in a studio that's windowless and dark and you have this room full of dudes, but to then be able to work with a woman, do you see that difference in folks? Do they come alive in a different way? Definitely. I mean, it's a totally, it's a totally different environment. And it's crazy that the norm for so long has been, okay, I'm a female artist. I'm going to go into this closed off space with no windows, like you said, and I'm going to spend hours with this man that I hardly know. And he's going to take my art and he's going to mesh with it and use it and control it in some way. And for so long, the only option has been to work with a man. And in a lot of places, I'm assuming. I mean, gosh, I can't imagine what it's like in some cities. I mean, even this city. People walk in and they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea you existed. Who are you? When did you get here? It really is a shock for people. But once we meet, as soon as we sit in that studio together it is such a special experience and even I feel the difference when I'm working with a woman because there's no constraint there there's no you know preconceived notions about what our relationship has to be about what we have to worry about because from the time we're young women have to think about keeping themselves safe no one you know we're responsible for our own safety you know, and be it walking in a dark parking lot at night or working in a studio on your song. You have to think about like, okay, am I going to be put myself in a position where I'm not going to be safe? I just actually, I had experience in someone, you know, a woman had heard that I had produced this album for a band called Lady in Town. And she sent me an email and we set up a meeting and told me her story and the first time she ever got to record the man that was recording and producing for her basically held her hostage by her art in the sense that he wouldn't give her any of the music he forced her to only work with him and she was young so she didn't you know you don't know especially when you're starting out and so he was taking advantage and then he made advances on her and you know she was 17 and it was her music and he had offered to do it all for free and all of these things and so like there's that story is so so common so many women in this industry are taken advantage of be it because some man is on a power trip and wants to use them to get ahead or wants to use them because they're interested in them sexually or you know whatever it is that feeling that women have of like, oh, should I not let my guard down, is warranted. They feel that way because they've probably been used in the past in some awful way, or they've heard horror stories. 
And so to walk into a room where it's only women and there's a woman sitting there and controlling the technology, it lets artists go into a space that they don't have to worry that I'm going to hold them hostage and they don't have to worry that I'm going to take advantage of them in any, any way because there's a there's an unspoken understanding, I feel, between women that we know what that's like and we know that we don't want that. And we, and, and we respect each other in a way that I don't get all the time when it comes to working with a man. The album I did with Lady was so fun because we, <laughs> it was all women who recorded, who recorded, who arranged, who produced. It was the most female-led album I have ever gotten to work on. And it was incredible. It was like everyone was in a room listening to each other and understanding and coming from an emotional, empathetic place. And not to say that men aren't capable of empathy, but I think <laughs> but I think that there's a certain amount of shared bond of world experience and how women tread through the world. And when we all get together and we all got together to make that album, we were all so free. And it blossomed into this incredibly creative production that is filled with fun sounds and exciting new types of electronic and acoustic mashing. And we just had so much fun together and we all allowed ourselves to be vulnerable. I mean, we cried. We cried together. We laughed together. We cried together. We, you know, like we spent a whole week in the studio together and some days were awful. But being able to share our feelings and not be worried that their engineer, me, was going to think it's a waste of time to sit there and listen to them say whatever they need to say to like get their emotions out. It allows that blockage to pass easier um, when people feel more comfortable and more free. Emily, I want to turn it on you a little bit. Um, so you're still also in that academic world of going to class and, and you have instructors. And I kind of want to hear a little bit more about just some of your instructors. Do you have any female instructors or are there other gals in your class? And just sort of how do you feel in that space of the academic world in audio engineering? Right, right. So right now I can really only think of one, maybe two female instructors offhand. It's definitely still male-dominated in terms of the professor side. Definitely there are more women joining the program. Um, each year more and more women come around. I don't know the exact number for my class, but just offhand, usually in each of my classes I see maybe three or four other women, including myself, which I mean sounds tiny when you're thinking of a 30-person class. It's like, oh, only four women, but it's definitely more than there's been in the past. So yeah, it's, it's slowly coming there. Did you, when you decided to go into the recording arts field, did you have any feelings about like when you would talk to people or, or do more research that you, you had this realization that you're walking into a male-dominated field or was this something that you inherently knew that you so it's kind of funny. When I first realized I wanted to go into audio, I was in high school and I was and I was thinking, I really enjoy music. I played violin my entire, I don't know, high school career. And I was just thinking, I really, I love music. I enjoy music. I love listening to music. It's a little bit of a cliche, but it's like music got me through high school, you know, music got me through the hard times. And it was like, I love this, but I was kind of burnt out on violin. I was burnt out on just performing in general. And I've always been more introverted. I don't really like being in the spotlight, being on stage. Like that's not really me. And so I kind of just started Googling it. I was like, what can you do with music, with audio, but not be a musician? 
<laughs> and um, audio engineering came up and I was like, oh, fascinating. And I, at the time, I didn't even realize it was a male dominated field. I was kind of just like in my own mind, in my own like world, my idealist vision, I guess. I was just like, I'll be an audio engineer. This will be great. I'll work with musicians, male and female, doesn't matter. It'll be awesome. And then I got to school and it, like my first semester, I was in an audio production class and it, they made it a point to bring in alumni every now and again. And there was a panel of female alumni from the Recording Arts program, and they just started talking about how it's a male-dominated industry, how they felt like they had to work twice as hard as their male counterparts for the same job, where it's like, oh, I, we're doing the same job, I'm just as good, but I have to prove myself twice as much as this guy. And it kind of just, it hit me real hard. I was just like 18, and I was just, oh, this is the reality. This isn't what I pictured in my head. Like, I still love audio, I still want to pursue it, but now kind of got hit with reality of this is how it's actually going to be. I I kind of got hit with that reality a little bit when Kenny and I um, took over Doghouse from the previous owner and I walked in and I had I had this preconceived notion that, you know, music's not like other industries. It's so diverse and we're going to see everybody and like they're going to be collaborating and it's going to be so free and open. And then we came in here and it's great, but you know, in the hallways, it's like white guys. And that was almost it. I mean, we had a few female vocalists and that was really it in the studio. And I was blown away. I mean, I, of course, like we live in Colorado, we live in Boulder County. The demographics are what they are, but I, I was a little shocked and just feeling like, oh, I'm walking into the space. I almost felt like I didn't belong in some ways, you know, and it, these spaces are, they're, they're dark. Our studio before we you know, made all of our improvements. It was pretty dirty, pretty dark, pretty dingy. Like I, the parking lot looked a little sketchy. Like I did not like the bathrooms. Yeah. The bathrooms were fully disgusting and next to unusable. Um, but but even just the space in general, you don't. It didn't feel like oh, this is a space to be creative. Let your guard down. Be with your people. It felt like oh, I need to like keep my eyes like on a little bit of a swivel and and not because anyone here seemed mean or rude, but those spaces can feel really intimidating. I think to a lot of people, but I think especially coming in as women. I don't know, have you guys experienced that in like any of just like the music world, like the kind of, whether it's venues, studios, like anywhere? Yeah, because I had a similar experience actually, I think maybe a few semesters ago. I was in a class and I think there was only one other woman in that class. It was a, maybe like a 28 person class. None of my peers, none of my professors have ever been like discriminatory against me. And they were all super kind and nice, but it kind of just hit me at one moment in the middle of the semester where I was like, oh, I'm basically the only woman here. There's only one other girl here. Like, oh, like that sudden realization. And I don't know, it just kind of felt weird. We were all like getting up, exploring the console because there was a mixing console in the class and suddenly just getting up and then being physically surrounded, not separated by desks or aisles. It was like, oh, I'm basically the only other woman here. This is kind of weird. I remember having all of those, like, when I first got to school, having the, you don't think about being a woman, you, you don't think about, period. Like, you don't, you're just existing, you're just in your life. You don't think about the fact that you are a woman until you're surrounded by men, until you're very obviously treated differently, and you're like, oh, what the, but why did you say that to me, and you didn't say that to him? Like, why have you, you know, like, why am I... I'm the same, if not better, if not more talented because of how hard you have to work just to prove that you're just as good. And it's so funny, what the panels, 
I had the same thing my freshman year. They had a panel of women in the music industry. And it's just like all of it has proven itself to be so true. And the funny thing about the discrimination that women face in the audio engineering field is that most of the time, it's nothing outright sexist. It's not, no one's writing me emails saying like, women shouldn't be in the audio industry. This is absurd. You can't possibly know anything about, you know, like no one's doing that. Do you think it's like an inherent bias that that like just just needs to change? Yeah, I think that the the funny thing is is that like men or women, it happens on both ends. They don't know they're doing it. But like slowly you start to notice, okay, this person asked me like five times what I'm how I'm going to mic their instrument, for instance, right? But if it was my male counterpart at my studio, they would never ask him how he was going to mic their instrument. They would just trust that however he did it would be good. And then if they had a problem, they'd probably bring it up. But the difference is, is that we are initially confronted about the sound before anyone ever hears anything. One of my favorite, one of my favorite examples. (laughs) It's funny because I'm very good friends with this person. But when we first met, it was in this session and I was running, it was 15, it was a 15 piece band and there was so much going on. And it was one of the biggest sessions I had ever done at the time. Like I'd never done something as bold as this, as this session was. And, you know, I had like five assistants and everyone was going and I was hard at work. And the cellist, oh, who I love dearly, the cellist, I, who I had never met at the time, came in and was like, hey, I'm going to have my engineer come in and mic my cello. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, my guy, he really knows how to mic a cello. So I'm going to have him come in. I'm like, so there's an inherent, without saying, I don't think you know how to mic a cello. He was saying, I don't think I know how you mic cello. And I immediately was just like, no, you're not. No one is No one is going to come in here and take all of this work I've done and take it away. So it's going to happen. And if you don't like the sound, we can talk about it. But why don't you wait until you hear it? And he came in and he loved it. And he was like, oh my God, this sounds amazing. What'd you do? And I'm like, I did my job. I did exactly what I'm here to do. And... And, and that's that. And from then on, we've worked together hundreds of times and I, and I adore him. But it's just that it's that inherent bias. It's not that he is someone who hates women or thinks women can't do things like he's a wonderful lad. It's just that he didn't realize when he said it what he was saying to me. And it happens every week of my life, every day of my life, I can say sometimes that assumption when someone meets you for the first time and they're like, Already, you can see the questions in their eyes. You can see like, oh, God, I'm going to have to spend the first hour of this session convincing this person that I know what I'm doing. And it's interesting that your name is spelled in the uh, male, you know, the generally the male spelling of Lauren. And so like if you're emailing, you know. Yeah, it's often a shock for people when they've only spoken with me over email and then they meet me in person and they'll come up and they're like, hey, we're here for the session. We're looking for Lauren. Um, is he around? And I'm like, he's not around, but she is, and I'm here. Hello. Back to you. So it's not outright, you know, it's never something that you can go to and be like, this person discriminated against me, and here's the email, and here's the hard facts. It's tiny microaggressions that chip and chip and chip away at your demeanor until one day you just lose all ability to hold it back. 
and you become like me and you just like rage against the machine. <laughs> well, Lauren, uh, to that end, do you have any advice for any female in the music industry that feels like they have, you know, whether it's an inherent bias against them or an actual aggression against them? Is there a, a method or, or a response or, or a way to, to either confront the situation or to disarm the tension? Or are there, are there methods that you've, you've used in the past that, that you found have been successful in creating a, a good working relationship uh, across the gender divide, if you will. Oh, yeah. This is hard because... Well, actually, you know what? I'm going to retract that question because that just put the onus on you to do something. Wait, what? Well, what do you mean? Like... Like, I'm like, oh, how are you going to solve the gender divide? As opposed to like a dude should, I just did, I just did a terror, like. It's not the way I will say, I will say, this is so funny. It's really funny because there was, there's, for example, there's this man, this unnamed man, and he wants to solve the gender divide between women and men in the audio industry. And he's going to make a difference and he's going to do it. And his podcast and his radio show is going to be the thing that solves it and it's just so unfortunate because the intent is good but we don't need men to step up and say anything we need men to sit down and listen and this is and this is the problem is that it's not that women haven't been talking about this for forever we've been talking about this since the dawn of time you know um (laughs) like it's just that Men aren't listening, you know, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful to create a platform for women to speak. But taking responsibility and saying, I'm going to be the one to fix this divide. It's like, this is the problem. This is the this is where the issue lies is like the thought that women can't do it themselves because we've been doing it ourselves. We're here. We're here for it. You just don't listen. You're just not here for us. So like, don't take it back. I would love, I would love to give advice to women in this industry, young women in this industry who don't know what to do in a particular situation. And it's hard because you can't just like shout out and be like, hey, men, don't assault women. Like you can, but is that really going to make a difference? There are going to be predators in the industry, whether we all have the best intentions or not. Someone is going to be a predator. And that's the truth that women have just come to know. We just understand that no matter where we are and what situation we're in, we are ready to defend ourselves against that one awful moment that could or couldn't happen. That happens to one in four women. Two in four women if you're talking about just harassment. Although I I can't I can't hardly believe that there's any woman who hasn't been harassed. Yeah, I was just going to say maybe four out of four. Yeah, it's just like literally I, I can't imagine going through this world and not being harassed. And that's a sad fact. But if you are in a job where you feel like either you are unsafe or you are not appreciated, like you are put below your male counterparts I promise you there is a better job. I don't care if you're at Capitol Records. I don't, I, 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 that's just the first one. I don't know if Capitol Records has a problem with this, but um, get out, you know? It's hard and it's scary to change your life and change your position, but it's not worth a second and they're not going to change because most likely they're some old white dude sitting behind a console who misses the good old days when he was snorting cocaine and you know assaulting women in the back closet so fuck their opinion it it doesn't matter there are places out there for you and there are places out there who will respect your talent 
who will respect your opinions. I found one. The place I work, My Defined Productions, I've never felt more safe in a job around men than I do. And it's because Colin Bricker and John Macy are two of the most incredible men that I've ever known. So th- so it's out there. So don't stay in a place where you're not welcome for some pretense of, oh, I got to stick it out because you don't because you deserve better. No one gets to pay you to mistreat you or not pay you to mistreat you. Yeah, not pay you <laughs> most likely, unfortunately. And just to tag along on that, I would say my advice, you know, this is long-term advice, but um, start studios. You know, women should start studios, um, make record labels, be musicians, be artists, like, and employ women. That's what we change it ourselves. And employ women of color. We haven't even talked about that dimension, too. I know, it's a whole other deeper dimension, you know, like, being a woman of color in this world is not kind. And that's something you see never in this industry, Uh, like ever. I had one black woman in my classes at Berkeley, and she was incredible. She is incredible. But, like, that's the only time I've gotten to interact and work with a black woman in the music industry as an audio engineer. And I can't imagine. I can't imagine the dimension of intimidation that you feel. Because I know what it's like to be a woman, but to go in when this industry of being an audio engineer is mostly white people I, I can't imagine that struggle and if there are any women of color listening who want internships at doghouse music we would love to have you hey just a quick shout out <laughs> <laughs> come learn things um cool yeah so i wanted to um ask emily just kind of what got you into i know you said you have a background in music but so when you started out in the production side of things like what were what kind of first hit you like what were some of your first like oh wow this is how this is well like lauren has been saying it's never something outright where they're just like oh you're a woman you can't do this like you're not welcome here it's never that it's always just kind of unspoken really it's just you feel it just all these men around you and like sometimes in classes you don't even notice because you know you're in your desks on these line of aisles with a little space between them and you're just like I'm just here as an elective whatever right 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 leave but then when it's the actual hands-on part because with my major there are a lot of hands-on classes where you're actually getting up you're exploring the gear you're setting up tearing down um, you're actually like messing around with the console so then you're like close proximity with other people's So yeah, so you're just like surrounded by men and then suddenly, like nothing they did, there's nothing they did, they're just existing and then you just feel it, you're just like, oh, it's just me. And a lot of times when I'm having group projects with people, I'm the only woman in the group or it's me, another woman, and then three or four other men and it's just like, oh this is how it is. I just got to get used to it, I guess. And it's like, I've never had like a problem with men and none of my male coworkers, classmates, peers, etc. have ever had a problem with me, but you still sometimes feel it. You're just like, oh, they haven't had the same experiences as me. They might not know the struggle, even though we're both in this major, we're both young 20-somethings in college. Our experiences aren't the same. So there are some things that I can't talk to them about. I can't just be like, oh, I'm doing XYZ, because they might just be like, oh, that's a girl's thing. Why do you want to talk about that business only, even though they're over there, like, messing around with each other, having a lot of fun, and it's just like, oh. Right, like, I'm not in this, like, I'm not part of the gang. I'm, like, this other person Mm -hmm. in the room. Yeah, exactly. Who, like, doesn't get it. (laughs) Well, and there's this want when you're in a male-dominated field as a female-identifying person that to be a part of this boys' club, right? And it sucks because because boys' clubs are usually not very female-friendly. 
like at all by definition they're not female friendly i mean like to want to to have to fit in you have to take away a part of yourself you have to take away some of your femininity you have to act like one of the guys so many times i've had <laughs> i've had male professors be like okay yeah but you can't never never outright never outright saying it but the, but like this idea of audio engineers that like you have to have a double chin a beard a t-shirt stained with grease and pants it's like sometimes i want to walk into a session and be wearing heels and a dope blouse and i want to look good for me it doesn't have anything to do with anything else right because you're a professional walking into their workspace exactly and you want to look and feel like one. Yeah, and you feel good when you look good and you feel like you look good. And, you know, it's like this idea that you have to wear flannels and jeans to be a, to be safe, to be, a, to be like accepted into this realm. John and I are looking at ourselves right now being like, oh, man. You're like, oh, I'm wearing flannels and jeans. Oh, God. <laughs> wearing a T-shirt with a stain on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but to be, to be fair to you, that feeling like something's up like someone like you can feel that otherness it's not just you you know like that is that is the pressure of society pushing down on you it's not just in your head it's real and it's the pressure of the male gaze that is inevitable like when you have to go up in front of the class and show your mix you're sitting there as the only woman in a panel full of men like 30 men and you're sitting there you know trying to be professional but there's a societal pretense that men are attracted to women. So therefore, you feel like a piece of meat when you're surrounded by that many men. And it's awful. And, you know, businesswomen have spoken on this so much, you know, like it's a huge thing. And it's funny, the I got to meet some of my engineer heroes who are all old white dudes, um, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and I got to take this master class with them. And one of them super well-known famous guy number two um he <laughs> so we all went up and got autographs in these little books from aes that we got and you know it was me and, and i was one of the only women there like you said like obviously always and so we all got them to sign and it was really cool and i was like oh my heroes and i look at the signatures and one of them put to the prettiest girl in the class uh. And I was just like, oh, I don't want to be seen as a woman. Like, I, sometimes I'm just like. Right. Like the girl in the class. I just want to be like. Yeah. To the dope engineer. To the engineer. Or the most irritating, yeah, but not the girl. Yeah, just not the prettiest girl. Like, come on, dude. What? Like, I said so many insightful, smart things during this seminar and. You're going to just, and it sucks because it's immortalized. It's immortalized in this journal of mine. And I'm just like. Oh, yeah. And then you're like, and what if you thought I was ugly? Then I'd be even lower. Where would I, where would I, what would you sign? Right, right, right. To the nice girl. I know. But all that to say that it's not in your head. That is what is being thought by, not all men. I can't speak for all men, but some men, no doubt, you know? And you can feel that. And you're taught your whole life to pay attention to that and keep your eyes on a swivel for that type of attention to make sure you're aware and protecting yourself. And that's just so unfortunate. Yeah, maybe about a year, year and a half ago, I actually studied abroad for two weeks in Prague. It was actually a recording specific kind of class. And so there's only like 12 of us, so very small group. And about a quarter of us were, were women, which was awesome to see. 
But yeah, no, we were actually in a kind of like a music conservatory in Prague and they had a little recording section of their school. And so we were talking with their engineer, uh, messing with the console. We were actually recording a couple students there and we would all take turns to go up to the console. And it was kind of a volunteer basis, like, hey, I'll go up next, I'll go up next. And I remember me and the two or three other women in the group, we didn't go up. Like it was always the men who always went up. And then suddenly, when the professor was like, hey, do you three want to go up? You haven't gone up yet. I, I kind of realized like, oh, us women didn't volunteer to go up. And I was like, I wonder why. Like, I don't know. It just felt wrong to go up because like all of them were like talking to each other, making notes, you know, typical stuff. But it was just that feeling of the other where it's like maybe I'm not good enough to demonstrate my skills in front of the class. Mm. It was just kind of scary. And also the fear of like you're going to go up in front of a bunch of dudes. And you don't have that space to make a mistake because then they're going to be like, well, of course the girl made the mistake. And you're like, oh, right, right. Uh, I'm a dude and, and I make mistakes. That's something that has to be said, you know? Yeah, right. It's, it's funny that, like, you'll have moments when you just can't take another word. Like, if anyone says one more thing to you that reminds you that you're a woman and you're other, you're gonna explode. And it's only happened one time to me in, in, you know, 10 years of working as an audio engineer. But man, it happened when it happened. It was like all of the cumulative experiences that I had had of those tiny things of feeling like the other exploded. And it exploded with Mike's live in front of an entire class and I just went <laughs> I just went off and the situation like I had I had messed up on a patch I had made a mistake but I knew exactly what needed to happen to fix it and so every, all of these men were scrambling they're like whoa, 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 something's wrong nothing's working and I'm like guys guys I know how to fix it I made the mistake no hey everyone no no one would listen to me I was the one who made the mistake I was trying to own up for it and fix it so I go out into the room where the mistake was, and I just needed to change one patch. It was like one thing that needed to shift, and no one would listen to me. They were all just, it was like six men all huddled around trying to figure out what was going on. And I was just standing there like, guys, I, guys. And I just, I just was, it just went off. I was like, are you kidding me? You, I, I am right here. I'm trying to tell you what happened. No one is listening to me. We could fix it in seconds if you would just... Right. And then they label you as pushy or like, emotional. yeah, emotional, angry, emotional, angry, just because. And and it, what's so funny is it's not like it was that one moment that pushed me over that edge. It was my entire history of dealing with being ignored because of that otherness. And, you know, the teacher came over to me afterwards and was like, hey, you really can't. And I was like, don't do not tell me yeah do not tell me that i can't right now because i can be mad because this shit is not new you know and like they'll tell you that you're that they'll go up and be like you can't be emotional you know like oh no you really got to keep it under control and to be honest i mean it set me going off like that sets a really weird atmosphere for this the session right yeah. it does of course but all of the women in that class understood. So it was it was audio engineers recording a 
band that actually that band had a lot of women in it. They all came up to me and was like, hey, know that we're not upset that you got upset. And like, that was totally warranted. And like, they were all talking over you. And, you know, like, the other women will understand. But just that teacher coming up and being like, hey, you really got to keep it together. I'm like, oh, it's really easy for some guy who's never been, you know, treated as meat, never been ignored or expected to fail. It's really, really easy for you to say that. Yeah, and like, honestly, a lot of the times I won't even like wait for their permission anymore. I'll just do it silently behind them where they're like all huddled up. And I'm just like, guys, it's done. I did it. You're like, problem fixed, next thing. (laughs) Yeah, literally, I no longer, especially in like projects or anything, I'm no longer like, okay, who wants to do what? I'm just like, I'm here. Everyone else figure it out. Because I don't have time to like mess with your emotions, engage whether or not what I'm saying is being interpreted wrong. Yes, I love that. And it's... It's also kind of sad that you have to take that role. You know, like that you have to take this stance of the stone stance of like, I am unmovable. I am going to do this whether you like it or not. And like you said, you're seen as pushy or bitchy or bossy. And you're just and that and it's so funny because this feels so cliche in a way. Right. And yeah, Um, then that kind of segues into actually something I wanted to talk about, which is collaboration. Like as engineers, like all of your work is collaborative in in some ways. And I mean, in every way, really. Um, And just that way of needing to protect yourself or stand really, you know, be the stone that's unmovable. Like that's not usually the mind space that you would rather be in when you're trying to be creative and collaborative and just like bopping ideas around or um, working with an artist and feeling like you have to be, I'm sure, can feel stifling at times. Yeah, because it's like, I want to hear other people's ideas. Like, this is a group collaboration after all. Like, I don't want to be all about me. But it's like, sometimes if you don't just do it, you're not either going to get what you want out of it or you're just going to be left sitting there just like, what do I do? Oh, you guys are going to do it okay. Right, like, where's my place in all of this? Because it's like, you you just have to go do it. And that's it. Yeah. Like, because then if you, like, wait for all their opinion, nothing's ever going to get done. <laughs> I mean, honestly, because then it's like, well, I, I want to run the Pro Tools session. But then they're all like, I want to do it. I want to do it. And you're like, okay. And you're like, I guess I'll do it at my house by myself when you guys aren't here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's funny collaborating. It's, you know, in the end, it's all about personality types. And hopefully, if you're really close to an artist, that barrier gets to drop once trust is built, you know, and you really get to become like I have I have artists I work with who are male identifying and I they're incredible. And I feel totally free with them. And I can say anything and I can be my complete and whole self with them. And therefore, the collaboration is seamless because we've done it a long time. Just like with anything, you're going to have conflict. You're going to have people that you you don't collaborate well with, be it because of the personality, be it because they're sexist, whatever it is. It just isn't going to. They speak up about this a lot in school, or at least they did in mine, is like one of the most important things about a studio session is the vibe and the sense of community and the sense of collaboration. Everyone's ideas should be heard you should be able to listen and and interpret and then create based off of all of the inputs coming in. You know, like one of the biggest struggles I have when it comes to collaborating is just this one thing that really gets me is when people, when you'll make a move 
or you'll make a change or you'll make an have an opinion. And then people will say things like, I just thought of that. Or, ooh, that was such a, ooh, I just had that idea. Ooh, this was, you know, like literally saying those words to you. And you're like, no, I just said that. No, I just had that idea. And, you know, these are, it's not necessarily a thing that only happens to women. But again, it's one of those things that just feels like it's crushing you further down. And really, it's if everyone in the room is a person who listens, is a person who can absorb other people's ideas and absorb other people's emotions, empathetic people, right? Then it's going to go great. You know, you're always going to have clients every once in a while that come along that just can't get with you, that just can't get on that creative collaboration page. Yeah, so I wanted to pivot the conversation a little and dive a little more into um, kind of like what is it like for you two? So you're a couple, you're both engineers a loving beautiful couple that i love <laughs> being around and you work together quite a bit i mean lauren you've worked in our studio i know you've done projects together um what is that like both when you're working on a project together or just the fact that you both have this skill set that's really similar um but i'm sure you both you know you bring your yourselves to it so it's different um what's that like sort of working in the same world it's really cool, <laughs> you know, um, it's the life of an audio engineer is often one of just a little sleep and pulling strange hours and, you know, there's like little concern when it's like, oh, the session is going to run to like 2 a.m. or something. It's like, ah, oh, okay, been there, I'll feed the cat, you know. <laughs> and uh, also, I don't know, I, I feel like I learned so much from her just by being around you when you're working or if we ever do collaborate you know like you help me with my music and i'll learn a new hot key combination for pro tools i'm all about those hot keys yeah <laughs> or just another way to think about it you know yeah. it's really cool having another perspective to bounce off of yeah and john and i as similar as our jobs are we're actually really different in the way that we approach music i'm i tend to be a very analytical thinker and i see things in a very like numbers and math and frequencies and a very logical way when i'm approaching something uh you know like i don't think like ooh, i can feel this here i'm like okay so technically this statistically we need a shaker in this person you know what i mean like i just i don't approach it the same whereas john is like a very creative draw outside the box you know scribble with all the colors right. type of thinker and it's great because he pulls me in a more creative direction and i like reel him in and be like, and you know like help stay to craft so it's like the difference between um Oh, darn it. I'm, I'm blanking. I don't know. It's like the difference between like the, the free form thought, like people who just scribble words on a page and the difference between a word bubble person who's like, OK, this is where we start and then we're going to branch off. And then, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Making like a workflow. and <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. You can even see it in the way our desks are organized. Uh -huh. Very different people. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, we, Kenny and I also have that difference. I like to be very organized. And I am not. Kenny does not enjoy that. I, I enjoy chaos. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I enjoy strategic chaos. <laughs> but I, I definitely appreciate the 
when we do have a way of like coming together and, and creating a style that that's both of ours. Um, you know, and, and I do think part of that is pushing back and saying, you know, like, like when Liz says, Hey, this isn't the way it should be, you know, or, or, you know, and when I can't quite reach something in my mind, like to get to a, a good, happy medium about things and to, um, you know, we def we had different skill sets and we had different ways of being together. So, um, the, I would say that if, if I was, you know, so the, so the previous, previous owner was just running it, you know, pretty much by himself, like a, a one man army. Um, and, and Liz and I run Doghouse as like a, like a dynamic duo where she's Batman and I'm very much Robin. Uh, and we have John to make our trip. <laughs> John's yeah. Catwoman. Oh, John's Catwoman. John, you Catwoman. <laughs> no, John can be Alfred. Oh, that's cool too. Oh. That's cool yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good yeah. actually. Because sometimes John's like, "Do we really think that's a good idea?" <laughs> my in my in all of my infinite diplomacy, yeah, I'm like, hey, are you, uh, are you sure about that, Mr. Wayne? He says no other studio on earth yeah, does yeah. this, but I suppose we could. <laughs> um, oh, um, no. Oh, no, you have great diplomacy. And I applaud you for working <laughs> with a couple. I, I don't know what that would be like. I've personally never worked in a, in a business where there is a, a couple involved. Was it ever weird? Is it ever weird? You can tell. No, I mean, it, it's never weird because like, I feel like I got really lucky in that growing up, my family was all very communicative. You know, we all yelled at each other and all got all of our emotions out. And we used I feel statements. Ah, I love an I feel statement. Yeah. and. When you, I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I feel that you're being an ass. Um, but but I, I don't know. I just, I think being able to see um, that even, you know, what's supposed to be a perfect marriage, it, nothing is ever perfect. So I don't know, working with you two, I feel like it's, it's really great because we are all open and we communicate really well. And even if there are moments of tension, I think that's important. I think that's good. So I, I don't, I never look at that as like, oh gosh, I got to get out of the room. Oh, sometimes yeah. <laughs> I feel I have to get out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you should. No, I, know, I mean, just I know. this week we had a data incident, I guess, for lack of a better term. And, you know, and, and we, oh, yeah. the Google Drive that we store everything on, you know, got misdirected. And, and it was like one o'clock in the morning. You have a husband and wife trying to figure out <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> While they're tired. While we're very tired. Yes, exactly. That was my bad. I totally set that off too. Because if I if I wasn't like uploading something into the folder, you know. No, no. We would have. We wouldn't have even noticed. No, it was a no, good catch. No, it was. It was definitely a good catch. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, it was a it was a tense environment. You know, like it was like our our little Cuban missile crisis, and we diffused it, and uh, you know, we ended up holding each other afterward, and it was fine. And oh, yeah. okay. who who was Che? Oh. <laughs> I like to I like to feel that I am, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we cool. We feel like you were Che. <laughs> <laughs> we decided right now. <laughs> it's so cool to have like to have a partner that's doing the same thing as you. You know, I think I've heard a lot of different comments and perspectives on that, but for me, it's like I can't imagine not dating an audio engineer. Like, what would I talk about? What would I say? <laughs> it's all I do. It's all I think about. You know, it's my entire life. So 
if I couldn't explain to someone like, oh, I just can't get this kick tone right no matter what I do. Like if I couldn't talk to someone about the struggles of engineering in general, <laughs> right? I don't know, like what would I even talk to a doctor about? You know, like what would I say to you? What would we, it's weird. You know, I, I can't imagine dating outside of the music industry and it must be so cool for you to like, to get to be so close to each other and be so close to each other's careers. But do you find, like, moments where you really need to not be close to each other? How do you define How do you define those moments? Because, like, your careers are the same. You know, like, you're, you're equal in your career. You're equal at home. You're always together. Yeah. I think we're lucky in that our recreation habits are very different. Oh. You know, I'll... <laughs> I'll, like, go skiing alone or hiking alone. Or... And I'll watch TV alone. No, watch TV. no, no. no. <laughs> watch TV alone. You do more work, but alone. <laughs> and, and actually, so this is a, a big sea change for our relationship because in our past lives, I was a traveling accountant and uh, I was on a plane four or five days a week. So we actually used to spend a lot of time apart. We spent a huge oh. amount of time apart. We talked just about every night, but we would always reconnect when we'd come back together. and. We actually, one of the things that we had talked about early on is like, we missed that feeling of reconnecting, as weird as that sounds, of being far apart and be like, oh, I miss you. I want to be with you. And we had to do some sleuth work and find a way to reintroduce that in our relationship, I think, of like, you know, let's, we're, we're always excited to come back together, even if we're still like, you know, only six feet away from each other, <laughs> you know, there's still that. Yes, especially because we do tend, because we have such different skill sets, we divide and conquer a lot. So we'll be often in different parts of the building or working on different projects. Yeah. So I think that's nice. You know, we each have a lot of ownership over what we do. I think it would be hard to be collaborating constantly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that. I'd be like, I don't want your opinion. I just want to keep working. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there, I mean... There are some things like, like for instance, when we did the Underdog Festival, like we threw up those, John and Tony and I had set up all the, the little frames to go in between all the acts. And, and I, I feel like you took one look at it and you're like, this can be better. This can be so much better. Oh, yeah. And, and you just added so much juice to it, you know, not to gush about my wife. Oh, thanks, But it is nice. It's nice that we can infuse each other's. Like, I mean, I've, I've witnessed you two do that. Like, you'll take what the other one has, but you're like, oh, these four things. Like, let's infuse this. Let's infuse it with that. And it just becomes this communal thing that you created together, which I think is like an incredible way to, to be with your partner, like that you're creating yeah. something together. Yeah. yeah. I'll always beg you to put more intense distortion or compression on something. And yeah, and I'll always like try to keep him from doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so so much so much hey 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 try the try the devil lock don't put devil lock on things all the time everyone just don't just don't do it <laughs> um, it's been nice though when i've gotten to see you two work together or just john like working with you sometimes you'll say hey i really want to run this this one thing past lauren like i think she could really i think this is her wheelhouse and she could really direct us on this and it's so so grateful and lucky oh. that we get like some lauren sprinkled into our work oh i love it <laughs> and it's great because like john and i trust each other's ears so much because you can get so pigeonholed when you're working on a project and you like you've listened to it so many times and you legitimately can't hear it again and you can't hear anything about it you know it's just this blank blob in your brain because you've overworked it and to have someone that right next to you you can be like can you please just like listen to this and tell me if it's awful or not 
Um, it's so it's it's so great and welcome, and I love working here with you two. You are both so wonderful to be around, and like getting to see your collaboration and getting to collaborate with my partner. I mean, it's it's just like so fun. I couldn't imagine life without a cubicle before I oh. started doing this. And airline points. I do miss the airline points. I miss airlines. I miss traveling. I miss uh, places. <laughs> Who remembers places? <laughs> we all. Yeah, it is. It's neat. It's a neat <laughs> um, environment, which I never would have. If you had asked me like five years ago, like, w would this be like your future work environment? I never could have imagined it ever. <laughs> it's funny what you fall into <laughs> unexpectedly. <laughs> I mean, that's interesting to hear because both of you before had a career. What made you think, hey, let's forget this career, come together and start a studio? <laughs> Insanity and wishful thinking. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's most of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, essentially, we we both were jaded with, with what we were doing. And I'd actually gone on a leave of absence from my job and then uh liz had quit her job yeah i was trying different versions of my job i uh, worked in city and urban planning so i you know i tried the nonprofit sector and the public sector and the private sector and i was like i don't know what's next <laughs> something <laughs> oh. and then this real estate ad came up said music studio for sale and for months i pretty much just would look at it every so often and be like ah that'd be funny <laughs> That'd be right. hilarious, us owning a music studio. Uh, and then and then we were... Finally, you came to me with it. You were like, I have something I want to bring up to you. And, uh, you know, don't freak <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, and Liz did not. And she's just, she was gung-ho about it. And even when there were challenges in, in closing on the building and everything, she's like, don't, this dream doesn't have to die. We can, we can make this all work and we can, we can do this. And yeah. And it's... It is interesting coming into a music world from having been a complete outsider. And I still don't think of myself or sometimes even Doghouse is like the music industry. I'm like, oh, we're just doing this fun thing. It's not the music industry. <laughs> and I feel like as long as we can keep thinking that, I'd like to because I don't want to become angry and <laughs> jaded. <laughs> well, that's so hip. It's a scene. It's better when you call it a scene. It's a scene, not an industry. Yeah. It's a scene of cats. Everyone's a cat. Cats. Hep cats. Yeah. I feel like a lot of artists think that. They're like, oh, we're not the music industry. We're just doing this for fun. And then it's like sells multiple albums. Oh, I guess I am the music industry. <laughs> you're like, well, I should at least learn about the music industry because I'm going to work near it. And then you realize, oh, I guess this is it. That's cool. Hmm. Um, do you guys want to turn to wrap-up mode and we can do our what have i been listening to this week portion sweet is anyone dying to go first give it a little thought kenny i feel like you have something on your on your playlist uh wait yeah let me look i just have to i'm never prepared for this <laughs> well it's hard to remember especially if it's a new someone new you know oh okay saint motel that's who i've been listening to a lot oh yeah I love St. Motel. I love how it has a, the, the classic vibe and, and a nuanced like funk vibe to it. I love the, the words, the lyrics. I think that they, they just bring a, a, a nice, I don't want to call it easy listening because they're so energetic, but like, I don't know. I feel like I could have St. Motel in the background of whatever I'm doing and just feel good about what I'm doing. It's like living the good life music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I just recently discovered 
a pretty well-known prog rock artist, but his name is Pliny. Um, never heard it before. I love like Polyphia and Chon, but I never, you know, like I knew that music, so I liked listening to it and I never really explored deeper. But recently an artist I worked with used Pliny as a reference and I was like, oh, this dude is sick. This music is great. The mix is amazing. Um, so check it out. He has a new album that came out in November called Impulse Voices and it is just dreamy. It's very dreamy. If you like prog rock, I mean, there's no vocals. In instrumental prog, but it's real good. <laughs> the vocals are in the subtext. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I have been listening to, uh, similarly, uh, due to artists I'm working with, I've actually been pulling up some of the older uh, kind of post-rocky stuff, a little bit of punk, pop-punk, um, listening to the self-titled Blink-182 album. Yeah! Um, American Football. Yeah! And actually, one of our uh, interns has a a really cool project called Melvin. Which who? AJ. I did not know that. Oh, I know, and it is it is really worth uh, a deep dive. I mean, he doesn't have much out there, but it's it's uh it's impactful, and it really it's got some cool textures, and just like the words are, you know, I I, I relate. <laughs> um, I have been listening to it's actually inspired by an upcoming live stream i've been listening to the pamlico sound a bunch this week they will have played a live stream when this episode airs um which you can find on our facebook and youtube and it will have been great um and then i think this is probably last week and the week before but i was listening to so much elton john i just i must have had feelings in my heart that needed needed to come out because it was great I've been actually listening to some old favorites of mine. Paramore. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, like Misery mm, Business yeah. and Brick by Boring Brick. Like, I just, like, started re-listening to it, and I'm like, oh, yes, how could I have ever forgotten, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, before I started <laughs> I interning here, I had a seasonal job at Hot Topic, and it kind of just reminded me of all the good classics, like Fall Out Boy, My Chem, like, just, like, reminded me, and I was like, oh, yeah my roots i love how that's that's the classics like it's a generational thing because when i was 18 that was that was my warp tour you know everything that that you're talking about right now so that's that's beautiful to have that come back it is the classics i agree yeah all right y'all um thank you both so much for being on the show this week we so happy to have you and i love that also you both just are always in the studio so we get to see you a lot too no, yay. Welcome to the to the fam. Emily. I know, Emily. Welcome to the fam. Welcome to the fam. <laughs> Thank you for adopting me. Wait, I had a great idea. Welcome to the family. <laughs> oh, Kenny. Wow, Kenny, that was such a great, original, unique idea. Rocky Mountain down. We're talking music in your hometown. Other places too. Welcome. Welcome. All are welcome here. Rocky Mountain Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rocky Mountain Mixdown. For more information on any of the topics we've discussed this week, look us up online at doghousemusic.com or your favorite social media platform.